This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, the good news is in the pause. I don't know if you think about it a lot or, or not, but Christmas can be one of these times in which um, there's a lot of activity and busyness, right? How many of you would say, yeah, there's a lot of activity and busyness around the Christmas season? I went to Walmart yesterday just to pick up some medicine, actually, and it, I'm, I was like, it was a zoo at Walmart yesterday. You just so much activity, not... Well, I don't mean like literal zoo, but you know what I'm talking about. Some of you might think it's a literal zoo at Walmart, but that's not what I'm talking about. It was just busy. And that's what characterizes Christmas these days. Culturally speaking, Christmas is all about shopping and, and food and friends and family and traveling to visit family or family coming to visit you. And it gets very, very chaotic at times and oftentimes very, very busy that by the time Christmas is over, and I don't know if you're like me, you know, come July, January 2nd, I'm like... Ooh, I need a two-week vacation, even though I just got off of a vacation. I need a two-week vacation because Christmas has been, that season has been one that's very, very busy. It's easy to miss what it's all about um, as we navigate through Christmas. It's easy to miss that really, and really we should pause and reflect. What is this all about? Listen to what God has to say to us. And that's really what this presentation was this morning. So have you ever... Have you ever paused, looked back, and thanked God for a pause in your life? You look back and say, God, I'm so thankful for this moment where I actually was able to kind of put the brakes on. I know for me, and here's what I believe this morning is, I know we came, and there's a lot of guests here. We came for this Christmas uh, presentation with children, and my prayer is that you would walk out of here having experienced Jesus in a very real way. That's really what, what this is all about. I know 10 years ago, I, I had to kind of put a pause I, of all the busyness I was having here at Life Church because I got a call from my mother who said my grandmother, my abuelita, was not doing well. And I remember I basically told my staff at that point, I said, guys, I, I've got to go to Dallas. I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I, you know, I'm not sure how long it's going to be before. You know, I'm, I'm able to come back, but I need to do this. And I, and I went to Dallas, and a few days after I got there, she, she went on to be with the Lord. I remember, I remember standing in, in her bedroom. She had kind of gone out into like a, I don't know, coma or something. She just was breathing, but just not, I was, there was no interaction. And I was holding her hand. I remember her breathing her last breath, like literally, <gasps> And then it was it. She was, it was, she was gone. That was a very intimate moment for me. It was a very powerful moment for me to be there with her. And it would have never happened if I hadn't paused. I feel that this morning there are some of you in this room that somehow or another you've got you to you press pause in your life. Got to put the brakes on a little bit and, and reflect on what God wants to say to you or speak to you. Maybe for some of you, you, you feel regret about not pausing. Maybe it was a police officer that reminded you that was a stop sign, not a go slow sign. Right? <laughs> you needed a pause at that stop sign. 
Or maybe it's more that now that your kids are adults, you look back and you realize that their memories of you when they were growing up was that you were just always gone and busy and working and you didn't press pause while they were still at home growing up. Or maybe it's, you know, you wish you had paused before you told, you, you know, your wife or your husband those very painful words. You see, there's good news in a pause. A few weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I actually was in a small group and one of, our, uh, one of the members of our group mentioned an app that he's aware of called uh, the One Minute Pause. It was a, an app developed by John Eldridge. And, um, and so I, I, I heard it, you know, and I went home, I immediately downloaded it, you know, and, and actually I've been using it since, in fact, that's, it's this app that's kind of inspired me to talk about this today, about this pause. What does it mean to, to kind of slow down and reflect on what God is trying to speak to us, right? And I know that I need it, this, this app, what this app does, that, so for me, it's at nine o'clock in the morning and three in the afternoon. It reminds me, and so it's, you literally, you pause for a minute, and now it's kind of developed into like three minutes, but, or five minutes, but um, uh, you pause for a minute, and you, you don't pray, you don't do anything, you just simply just take in, you focus in, and recognize that you're, you're meant to be in communion with the Father, that no matter what all the busyness it is that's going on around you, everything that's happening, that at that moment, in, th- in those 60 seconds, you're simply saying, Father, I'm here, speak to me, I'm, I'm listening. And I know that I need that, because I'm, I'm not very good at pausing, frankly. I'm, I, I don't know, I, I rode dirt bikes for a while, I don't know if you, you know anything about dirt bikes, but there's two types of engines in a dirt bike, there's a four-stroke and a two-stroke engine. And uh, the four-stroke is kind of more of a, you know, it's power, a lot of torque, but it, you know, it's kind of a steady flowing engine, whereas a two-stroke engine is, is high, it, I mean, it just, it's zippy. And so a two-stroke engine, it's, it's either you're, you're wide open or you're off, but you're not like in, in the middle, right? And oftentimes that's how my life can be characterized. I'm either wide open or I'm just off. And sometimes I just need... I need to be able to slow down and pause. And so as we look at the Christmas story, I want to focus in on three main characters. And these three main characters, had they not paused, there was a significant pause in their life. Had they not paused in their life, the story that we understand as Christmas today, we would not be reading that same story. The presentation that we had this morning with the children, it would have been a totally different presentation had they not had a pause in their life. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. What we see about Mary, first of all, is that she paused to reflect. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, so she, they're engaged, and married, they haven't gotten married yet. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this angel appears to Mary and says, listen, I've got good news. You're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. Now, honestly, I have this mind, I, I, like I read texts, I'm like, wait a minute. How is that good news? How does it sound like good news? Like, like if you're engaged to get married and suddenly you find out that you're pregnant, I don't think that's good news anywhere in the world. But I like what Mary does. Mary responds. She 
ponders these things. She thinks about these things. There was no knee-jerk reaction. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So she finds out that she's pregnant miraculously, and she just ponders them. She's 16 years old. She takes a trip to visit her cousin Elizabeth. It's like a four- to five-day journey to, to, to where Elizabeth lives, Zachariah and Elizabeth live. We talked about them a couple weeks ago. And so there, she takes this trip, and I imagine as she's traveling, it was a difficult trip, but, you know, and there, she was probably in this caravan, but as she's traveling, she's pondering, she's thinking about everything that the angel spoke to her. When she gets to, to this little small town in the hills of Judea, to Zechariah's house, uh, Elizabeth greets her, and this is how Elizabeth greets her in Luke chapter 1, verse 42. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is a child you will bear. And upon hearing this, Mary just breaks out in song. I don't know what she was thinking. I mean, I just, I have this imagination that she's traveling for four to five days and she's just thinking about everything the angels told her. No need your reaction. She's just reflecting on what God was trying to tell her. And this is Mary's response after she reflects. Mary responded, verse 46, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I imagine that when she first got the news, she thought, no way, I'm going to be the curse. I'm going to be stoned. They're going to think I, you know, I went cheated. But this is her new perspective as she reflected. They're going to call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. You see, Mary paused and reflected. She pondered everything that the the angel spoke to her, what God was trying to tell her. And in that pause, she discovered the good news. How often do you pause and reflect? You know, our lives get so busy. And I have to tell you, God wants to speak to you. Do you understand that? This, this, this uh, Christian life is not about this, this uh, mechanical interaction with God that I just do, I go to church, I give, I do this, uh, everything's fine, and, and, then, and then I just kind of, God takes care of my life and my family. It's not that. This Christian life that we, that we live is, a, is an interaction with God. It's, it's communion with God. It's having a conversation with God. God wants to speak to you. God wants to challenge you. He wants to, in moments in your life where maybe things aren't going well, where you're not living right, God wants to speak to you even in those moments and say, hey, why don't you make a course adjustment? Why don't you change how you think about that? But oftentimes in the busyness of life, we can't hear because we're just busy. And we need to pause and reflect. See, God's a good God, and he wants to pour blessing into your life. Sometimes we miss those things because we're just not listening. We're moving, we're going, we're busy, we're doing the Christian life instead of actually pausing and listening to what God has to say. I remember when I first felt called into ministry, I, I was a student, had been going to college for several years, uh, university, studying engineering, and then uh, felt like the Lord was calling me, so I left all of that and went to Bible college, and I remember when I got to Bible college, it was full of zeal. I knew that God was calling me into the ministry. I had to preach the gospel. That's how I was feeling, you know? And so I'm gonna, I went to this Bible school after the first semester. I was convinced that I was wasting my time at Bible college. 
I was convinced that I needed to go and preach the gospel. There's too many people dying and going to hell. And I'm just here sitting in the classroom and, and going to chapel services. That just is a waste of time. And, and so I had decided I'm going to leave college. I'm not going to come back. I'm going to go and start preaching the gospel. You know, that's, that was my, my thinking. And one of my professors basically asked me, he said, hey, listen, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just give us one more semester? At least give us one more semester. And uh, I'm glad I did because I ended up spending, staying three, three more years. And what ended up happening was that really what I needed at that moment in my life is I needed a time to reflect. I needed a time to reflect on the call of God in my life. I needed a time to, to reflect on the word of God. I needed to learn from the word of God. I needed to, to take time out to, to let the Holy Spirit speak to me about what's going on inside of my heart. My heart wasn't completely whole yet. It wasn't totally healed yet. And God needed to do something inside of me before I was out there preaching and doing whatever I had to do. And so I needed that time. See, those years were not wasted. They were formative years. And so how often do you pause to reflect and allow God to work on the inside of you? The word selah in the Old Testament, you've probably seen it. You read it in the Psalms a lot. There's 74 instances of it in the the Old Testament. 71 of those 74 times happens um, in in the Psalms. It's kind of a musical instrument that's used there. And essentially what, 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 you, what you find is the psalmist as they're writing as they either depict some kind of characteristic of God or they, they talk about um, maybe some characteristic of a human that's, that's, that's not good, that needs to be changed. He follows it with the word sila. It's like a pause. That literally means, now think about that. Like the statement's made, now think about this. Ponder this. Reflect this. So we need, to, we need pauses in life to reflect. In fact, Sunday mornings is a great opportunity. When you're here as we're engaging in worship or you're, you're hearing a message, it's a good opportunity for let, to just basically take the posture. God, I'm here. I'm going to pause my life and hear what you are trying to say to me. I promise you, I get up here every Sunday morning and I get here with a word for from God in my heart. I want to share something with you. And it's not that Rich has it, but that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And if we could just stop our lives, pause our lives a little bit just to hear, God will speak. So Mary pauses to reflect. We find that Joseph, he pauses to regroup. This news from Mary that she was pregnant was probably great news, but it wasn't great news for Joseph, obviously. (laughs) It's like my fiance is pregnant, seriously? That's not good news. And so he's probably upset about it, right? I imagine that he is upset about it, right? I mean, can you imagine the anger, the frustration, the disappointment that he's feeling? Have you ever had, have you ever gotten, can you, I know that I have, but just stop for a second and think. That phone call that you received and on the other side they just told you some pretty bad news, something you didn't really want to hear. Or a text message you might have got. Or an email that was spelling out, you know, what your future contractual obligations are with your work or with a debtor or whatever, or a creditor. It's bad news. How do you respond to those, right? Here's how Joseph responds in Matthew 1. He says, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man, so he's a man of good character, and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
So he makes a decision. He's upset about the fact that his fiance is pregnant. So he makes a decision, I'm gonna break this engagement. As he considered this, that's the pause. As he stopped and thought about his decision to break the engagement off, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph was saved by a pause. Before he did anything rash, he paused and he regrouped. Have you ever done something that you, like in the heat of the moment, and now you regret? You might say, I wish I wouldn't have said those words to my mom. I wish I could take them back. I wish I could take back those words I said in anger to my, to my teenage daughter or son. I wish in that moment when, when, when I was so angry and they were just speaking into my face and I, that I, I wouldn't have swung at them. I wish I wouldn't have hung up on that telemarketer. Uh, maybe that's okay. You, I'm just wondering if you guys are out there. I'm not sure if you guys are out there. So, all right, all right. That's okay to do. Hang up on telemarketers. Proverbs 13 tells us, wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. Notice what happens with Joseph. Joseph is frustrated with the news. And he's going to divorce her quietly. But he pauses and he thinks about it. He regroups. And notice what happens. That in that pause, in, in, in that space, God shows up. In that, in that moment where you've gotten bad news and you're not exactly sure how to respond to it, but you stop and you regroup a little bit, God shows up. God often shows up in that space before we make crazy decisions, rash decisions. That's what the angel says in Matthew 1, 21. It says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. You, will, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, this pause in Joseph's life brought perspective. Mary wasn't a cheating, you know, fiancé. Joseph wasn't going to be the laughing stock of his town. No, actually, Mary was a faithful servant of God. And Joseph has the opportunity to actually raise the Son of God. See how when you regroup, when you step back, when you pause, that God gives you a new perspective. God can step into those moments. Amen. So Mary pauses to reflect. Joseph pauses to regroup. Jesus pauses to relate. Now, I know you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Jesus was like a little baby. How, he didn't do anything. I get it. See, here's what I think. I think that oftentimes when we think about God, and maybe there's some people in this room right now, this is how you think, or you've been thinking, or, or it's a secret, you, you think it, but you don't want anybody else to know you're thinking this, is that oftentimes we think that God, I, I can't relate to God, because God doesn't relate to me. Like, has God ever balanced a checkbook? I mean, does God even know what it's like to go month to month? I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. How does he know what it's like to go month to month? Has God ever lost a close friend in an accident? Has he ever been divorced? Has he ever had to stay up late at night trying to put an inconsolable child to bed, sleep? 
And so we navigate our Christian faith with this idea that, yeah, I'm just going to do all the, check all the boxes, but I don't really know if God even hears me, knows me. In fact, I'm convinced that he doesn't understand what's going on in my life. And we can walk through life that way, all right? That's how we feel. Check out this verse, though. After the angel speaks to Joseph, the angel then, and, and then it kind of, Matthew gives some commentary here. Verse 22 says, all of this, all of this, he's talking about, you know, Mary, Joseph, the angels, you know, the whole Christmas story. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Talk about Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And that's really the message of Christmas, that God is with us. That God is with you. That may be hard to believe. You see here, what we see is Jesus, the God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the all-powerful one, the one who, who lives outside of space and time. That God presses pause on his life for 33 years. And the reason he does that is to relate to you and to me. To identify with you. To identify with me. He pushes the pause button so he can relate. Some of you know that we, my family and I, we served in Bangladesh for, for several years as missionaries. And um, when we first arrived there, I mean, it was culture shock. You know, when we first arrived there, you just like, you'd land and you'd peep, there's thousands of beggars everywhere and they're asking, they're trying to grab your suitcases. And then you get in this van and they're, and they're driving on the wrong side of the road, you know, they're on the other side. And it's like, it's just, everything's chaotic. You can't read the signs. You can't understand the language. It's just this constant bombardment of your senses of what's going on and you don't understand what's happening. And it can be a little bit, you know, scary and frustrating. I mean, culture shock is a real thing. One of my frustrations was I couldn't relate like I, you know, I'm, I consider, before, before going to Bangladesh, I consider myself kind of an international person. I grew up in the country of Panama. I've been to several countries at that, at that point. I thought that I can pretty much land in any place and kind of relate to what, what's going on. But I just couldn't relate at all. I just, the customs, the things that they, the culturally, I didn't know anything of what they were doing. And they probably didn't understand anything I was doing either, you know. And so it was just really, really difficult. One of the, um, one of the, an example of this lack of relationship or relating, basically, was um, this rickshaw driver. See, here's what I, what happened was I began to learn the language. And as I began to learn the language, that's when I began to realize that language learning is more than just about words and communication. Language learning is about um, uh, understanding culture, understanding their heart, understanding where they come from. And so I have this rickshaw driver that would come to my house and pick me up. Well, he would just, he, he would, I didn't ask him to pick me up. He was just there knowing that I needed a ride to, you know, that I, you know, and so he'd come and I, and I would bargain and it always worked out this way. I always say, um, explain where I was going. I'd say, uh, Bazar. that was the place I was going. The road was, uh, 401 by one new Escaton road. And he would like, oh yeah, come on. You know, I said, how much? So he always say, Koto, how much? And they, he would say, Tris taka, 30 taka, 30 taka. And I'd say, no, 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 because in Bangladesh, everything is negotiation, right? Everything, right? I said, no, no, I'm going to give you 15 taka. 
Uh, no, 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 just, it's so, so dramatic. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, Bishtaka. So I said, okay, 20 taka. Okay, 20 taka. We'll do 20 taka. Bishtaka. Okay. So we settle for 20 taka. I get on the rickshaw. We go on to, the, to, the, to my office. I'd get off the rickshaw. And as I'm getting off the rickshaw, I'd hand him a 20 taka, 20 taka note. And he would look at me and be like, ah, oh. he's, again, dramatic, just wailing his arms and yelling that I was cheating him because I needed to give him 30 taka. I'm like, wait a minute. We negotiated this. We said, you said 30, I said 15, we landed at 20. Why are, what's going on here, you know? And it was just all the time. In fact, it got so bad that I started like, I didn't want him to give me a ride anymore. Like I would leave my house and I would ignore him. Like I'm just walking down the street and he's riding his rickshaw next to me. Like, hey, hey, come. I'm like, no, no, you know, okay, fine. I get on and the same routine, you know? And then somebody kind of clued me into a little language thing. He said, hey, listen, next time say this. So I got on the rickshaw, made it to the office there. I handed him my 20 taka, which we had agreed upon. And then, and then he started doing the whole dramatic thing, wailing his arm. Ah, oh, you're cheating me. You're ripping me off. And I said, hey, buddy. Naima mache And then he just like looked at me, smiled, nodded his head, took my 20 taka, got his rickshaw, and just rode off. I'm like, it was like magic. <laughs> magic words I just said, you know. And... <laughs> You know what I told him in Bengali? A blind uncle is better than no uncle at all. <laughs> Literally, that's what that means. <laughs> but it was like magic. It's like it totally worked. The guy, it's like, you know what happened there? Translation, what happened? I related and he related. It's like, you know what? You're not going to fool me. I know what you're doing. And he's like, oh, man, I don't think I can fool that guy. He knows what I'm talking about. He, he knows what I'm doing. That's what happened there. So, since, our time, since our time in Bangladesh, one of the things I've discovered and learned, and it's actually become a ministry paradigm for me, is that before I can help, I need to relate. Jesus pressed the pause button for 33 years. And in those 33 years, he experienced all the joys of friendship, the anguish of betrayal, the awe of seeing a baby born, the devastation of losing a friend too soon. He's Emmanuel. He's God. What he knows exactly, exactly what you're going through. So stand. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter four, there's a passage of scripture that kind of fills in the blanks here about. Emmanuel and relating. In verse 14 it says, So then, since we have a great high priest, it's talking about Jesus, who was who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Then it kind of gives us the characteristics of this high priest, talking about Jesus. This high priest of ours understands, he understands our weaknesses. And he, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So he has faced everything that you have faced but he did not sin now if the verse ended there I'd be honest with you that would be like um, that would be depressing to me because he didn't sin and I sin like ah great that's not very encouraging but this is how it goes on so since he understands our weakness and since he's faced all the same testing we do he says let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God not judging God our gracious God 
There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I'm convinced that if you will pause, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the challenges you might be facing, the struggles that you might be going through. In fact, there might be some of you in this room right now that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and, and, and maybe your, your thought is, I'm just gonna, I, you know, I'm just gonna make it on my own. I, I've got, I could do this. I got this. Others of you, maybe it's been a very difficult year and you don't want another year like last year, like this year, this past year. Others of you are looking towards a future and you realize there's a lot of challenges in front of me. And we need his grace. We need his grace. We need his grace. And so what I want to challenge you this morning is, will you pause? Will you pause? I know it's hard for some of you because right now you're just thinking about, I got to go get lunch. (laughs) I got to go do this. I got to go do that. Will you pause? Say, God, I need your grace in my life right now. In fact, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. We're going to close the service this way. Our prayer teams are here on left and right. After I pray, I challenge and encourage you. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, they're here to serve you. I'd encourage you to come up with them. But I'm going to pray for you right now. But this is what I want us to do. I want us to close our eyes. And as we close our eyes, we're just going to take a moment to pause. Okay? Hallelujah. Father, we stop everything right now. Lord, we, we, we stop the racing in our minds. We stop the list-making in our head. We quiet our souls. We quiet our hearts. We quiet our minds. And we say, God, we need you. This Christmas season, Father, we need more than just gifts under a tree. We need more than nice dinners with family. We need more than just the nice decorations around the house and outside the house and in the house. Jesus, this Christmas, we need you. And so we pause, we reflect on everything you've done in our lives. We regroup, Father, for any kind of challenges that we may have faced. We don't allow our stories to be dictated by the things that have happened in our past. But instead, Father, we make the choice to write a new story with your grace in our lives. And, Father, we recognize that you understand us. You know us. You know everything about us. That you are our heavenly Father. So, Father, we stop. We pause this moment to receive you in. In Jesus' name, amen.